It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October seventeenth, two thousand thirteen. We are glad you're part of the pro- program tonight. We look forward to hearing from you at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is preaching in Indiana tonight. And in his absence, Monty Overton has joined me. Monty, welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. And glad to have you here as well. And uh, also uh, joining us behind the controls tonight, uh, Jack Coleman is here. Jack, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you. Sorry about for that mess up. Oh, no. Uh, see, nobody will know now. We've started <laughs> over. We've got a clean slate. So right. you've been forgiven. Thank you. um, well, we have a, a program tonight I hope that uh, will be beneficial to us. Uh, we live in a society where the family is constantly being attacked, Monty, uh, being attacked in a lot of various ways. And we need to be uh, understanding of those and aware of those attacks. And so we want to talk about them tonight in an effort to understand where Satan might be attacking the idea and concept and arrangement and order that God has uh, set forth for the family, understand where the attacks might come from, and then also understand how we can equip ourselves to deal with those attacks by understanding what God's plans are for us in the family. So we want to talk about that on the program tonight. Monty, the the family is under attack continuously in uh, the culture we live in today. And as you mentioned, it's under attack in every aspect uh, of the arrangement, the order, and the function, and everything about the family as God has instituted it should be. Our culture is just going out of its way as rapidly as it can to destroy that. Jack, uh, you, you obviously have witnessed this. What are some things you see as uh, being some areas where the family is under attack? Well, I've, I've seen it uh, through, through divorce. I think that's what has uh, attacked and destroyed the family. Well, that, and that started, uh, that started decades ago. Um, and, uh, you know, people are up in arms today, uh, Monty, wanting to preserve the, uh, the family as one man, one wife. Uh, that's, a, that's an honorable thing, but these same people are the ones who have snubbed their nose at God and, uh, and rejected his teaching on the family in the matter of uh, divorce. And so it's no surprise that when we throw away God's instruction in one area of the family, uh, that the rest will fall. It's uh, it, it will stand or fall together. We either follow what God has said or we don't follow it at all. You know, and it seems sort of harsh to some people to think that of this, well, you're just, you've got an all or nothing attitude. It's God's way or the highway. But ultimately, that's what it boils down to. God expects all of his rules and all of his requirements for us to be obeyed and kept. And if we're not doing that, if we're not going to keep one of them, we might as well throw the rest of them out. Because if we're being disobedient, we're disobedient and we're lost. So just if it's, it is an all or nothing type of well, thing. And it is. It's what we observe in every aspect of, uh, of life. When we say God said it in this in, for this instruction, but we're not going to do it, well, then you've got no ground to stand on in other areas. For instance, many churches have left the teaching of God's uh, will for uh, the work of the church in certain areas, and then they're surprised when, once you open up the door, all kinds of things come through it. Uh, they're surprised because, well, they've, they've opened that door by disregarding God's instruction in areas like the work of the church. Same is true in the family. When we open up the door and say God said divorce, he hates divorce, but we have no problem with it, well, you've opened up the door, and now we have a society where homosexual marriage is, well, by uh, the polls, perhaps even a majority of our society think that homosexual marriage is acceptable. So we've got a, fam- uh, a culture where the family is under attack. But, uh, you know, it's not just under attack in the area of homosexual marriage and, and uh, the area of divorce, money. It's under attack in a lot of other areas as well. Well, it's under attack in the, what the roles that God has instituted for the family. Last night in our class, we were studying about Adam and Eve, and we understand that part of 
God's instruction concerning them was that Adam was to be the head and the ruler over the house and the wife was to be mm-hmm. subject to him. Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays, if you come out with that subject, suggestion that that's what God expects of us, people say, oh, you're a sexist or, or a, bigot. a bigot or, or all sorts of insults they want to throw at us because we happen to have an understanding of what God said on the subject. And so they want to put the women in a, in a position that God didn't intend for them to be and the men to be in a position that God inti- didn't intend for them to be. God has a way he wanted the family to be designed, the husband to be the head, the wife to be in submission, and the children to be in submission to both of them, and that's the way God wanted it. And But people want to throw that out today. I have a quote here from 2007, and it does it sort of give you the sentiment of what many in our society believe. Um, this this uh, commenter said, so what is a family in 2007? A family is and always has been an ongoing creation. With or without children, with one parent or two, gay or straight, we all cobble together families as best we can because in the end there is something exceedingly human in our desire, our need to be a part of a loving and supportive group that will be there for us. So this person says in 2007, it's it's just sort of an it's sort of it's a it's hard to put your hands around what it is. It's sort of an ongoing creation, and you just sort of got to cobble together the best arrangement you can figure out. Seems sort of very depressing to me, uh, Jack. That you know we don't really know how what a family should be. We're just going to try and figure out the best we can. Yeah, that's un- it's very unfortunate that that uh, we have allowed society to redefine what that's supposed to look like. Yeah. And uh, so as a result, everybody thinks that, well, in the churches, which is a part of society, that we're going to go ahead and as well uh, go along with that and think it is perfectly fine so that we can stay with the time. It is amazing. Uh, from a website called uh, nontraditionalfamilylaw.com, uh, their quote simply is, the definition of family will continue to evolve with our society. And I, I don't know that I can disagree with that, that the definition of our family by our society is going to continue to evolve. That's because it's not rooted and grounded in the definition that God gave it. Uh, and when you don't have that uh, standard to go by, you are at the, the mercy of whatever our society would deem is right and correct. But the scriptures tell us something very different. You know, in our society, there's no doesn't seem to be any, any any objective standard about anything anymore. It's just whatever you want to do is fine, whether it's the family or anything. And so it, how are we surprised when our children grow up and do things that we think are entirely unacceptable because they haven't had the – their society has said anything goes, you know, so it's, it's, we shouldn't be surprised because there's no standards. Anymore. All right. Uh, the the – Society says that the definition of family is going to continue to evolve, but uh, we see in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, that the definition of family has been established since the beginning of time. And uh, God, in, in Matthew chapter 7, 19, verse 4, beginning, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh, but therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And so we see that from the very beginning, God has defined what family should look like, how he wants families uh, to be uh, structured and how it should be arranged. And uh, we need to make sure that we're going back to that standard rather than the standard of our society, which is attacking the family on a continual basis. You know, and you, and you would think that in our society there's so much of this, whatever you want to do, and we've got to accept everybody kind of attitude, that if we want to accept the standard God said for a family and set forth and taught us that it should be, that they would be willing to accept that too, but it's not. All right. right. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. My father is in the chat room tonight from Indiana and glad to have him there. He has uh, commented that Gibbons in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire listed the decline of the family unit as one of the principal causes. And, uh, Jack, that's not a, that's not hard to imagine. Uh, that uh, that the Roman Empire could fall as a result of the family unit uh, disintegrating, and I think we are observing the same thing in our society today. Exactly, we're it's we're mimicking a lot of what happened then, and and the destruction of Rome. It's it's right upon us the way the way that the family has been broken up, as Monty mentioned. Uh, uh, we talked about homosexuality being rampant. Um, a lack of respect for God's word, respect for parents, uh, all of these things have a, a grave effect um, on our society. And, and 
it wouldn't surprise me to see our society come to complete ruin. All right. And, uh, Monty, uh, you know, not only is it uh, attacked by uh, those outside, many people are attacking their own marriage and, uh, and, and not respecting their family as they should. We hear things like the old ball and chain and, uh, and other derogatory uh, comments about uh, family and, uh, and the arrangement that God has established. You know, if they would follow that arrangement that God established and follow the principles that God has taught us about marriage and the family, the husbands would be respectful to the wives and treat them the way the Bible teaches to, with honor and, and to honor them as the weaker vessel. The wife would respect the husband and treat him the way God's instructed her to, is to respect him as the head of the household. And then when the children seen the husband and wife showing the proper respect and honor to each other that they were supposed to, they would learn how to honor each other and honor other people also. Mm-hmm. But when people have that attitude, well, that I'm going to go home to my old lady or that she's a ball and chain to me, I'm trapped by her, or the wife the old, makes the sim- old man. Yeah, the old man and makes similar comments. They're teaching their children to be disrespectful and not to have any honor or respect for the institution of marriage as God has ordained it. All right. In Proverbs chapter 19, <laughs> verse 14, we read, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. In other words, if you have some inheritance from your father, that's nice. But having a family arrangement that God has set in place that's the blessing that we all need in our lives. This material stuff isn't that big a deal. What matters is uh, the, the blessing that God has given us in our family. And we need to understand that God designed the family, and it should be something that is respected. You know, and when we've got, as it said, that prudent wife, when we've got a good wife, we don't need to look at her as a hindrance, but we need to understand, as that scripture said, that that's a blessing from God. God designed a woman to meet as men, to meet our needs, to be a helper suitable for us, as the it says in Genesis chapter 2. And so we need to respect her as that. God intended for her to be our friend and companion for life, and to be so close-knit that it says that we're one flesh. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, we're going to look at some of the ways that uh, the man's role is being challenged and uh, and, uh, and being attacked, as well as the woman's, the female's role in the family. That's in under constant attack as well. We want to talk about that uh, when we get back from the break. And children's roles, uh, Jack, surprisingly enough, those roles are being challenged in the society we live in. We just see that the family's attacked from every side. We want to talk about that on the program as we go along, as we get on the other side of the break. So we'll take a break, hopefully get your comments in the chat room, over the phone, or an email tonight. And when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, website, remember that you can hit control F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit control F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the webpage can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. We're glad that you're with us, and we look forward to your comments tonight. Uh, we'll join in the chat room as we talk about the attack on the family and the men's role in the family uh, has not uh, been without attack either. Monty, and there's some startling statistics that show just how much uh, the men's role in the family has been affected by the attacks of our society. 24 million children, uh, that's 34% of the children in the United States, live absent of their biological father. 
34%, one in three, in fact, more than one in three, live without their biological father being present. Men are doing a very sorry job of being men as a result of the attacks that we're seeing on the family. 1.35 million births, that's 33%, one-third of all births in 2000 occurred out of wedlock. Uh, a startling statistic, 43% of uh, first marriages dissolve within 15 years, about 60% of divorcing couples have children, and approximately 1 million children each year experience the divorce of their parents. Uh, the, the attack on the family is rampant, and, uh, and it is attacking the men in the family and the role that men should be uh, carrying out. Over 3.3 million children live with an unmarried parent and the parent's cohabita- cohabiting partner. Uh, the number of cohabiting couples with children has nearly doubled since 1980, from 891,000 to 1.7 million people. Uh, 1.7 million couples are living together unmarried. And about 40% of children in father-absent homes have not seen their father at all during the past year. 26% of absent fathers live in a different state than their children, and 50% of children living absent their father have never set foot in their father's homes. Fathers are doing a very bad job of being fathers, and men are doing a very bad job of being the men in the family that God uh, wants them to be. Uh, as a result of these attacks that are occurring in, uh, against the family today, you know, if the men don't want to stand up and be adults and, and leaders in the home, then they need to just completely stay away from that type of relationship. They don't need to be living in unmarried and, and cohabitating, as you mentioned. Uh, if the, if they're going to have if they're going to be fathers, then they need to be responsible about it. They just need to stand up and be adults. Jack, yeah, and it's you you alluded to the fact of these men being outside the home. I'm telling you, there, there are men who are in the homes right now who are not doing their job. Oh, that's true. They're, they're staying right there, and they're just they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and taking care of their family. Yeah. Uh, I think I read somewhere where fathers interchange with their children today is like seven to eight seconds. Just incredible when we have the media with four or five hours right. of time, you know, talking to our kids. Right, uh, yeah, that's right. Those who are in the home, uh, Jack, appreciate you calling that out. Are those they're, they're doing a bad bad job of leading, of being husbands and fathers that they should be, because of these influences of the world around us. And the idea that uh, we we don't need to take responsibility, we need to be entertained con- constantly and so forth. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, those fathers who remain in the home are doing a very poor, very poor job of being. Leaders and fathers. Yeah, they've got so many things to distract them. You know, the kids want to come up and have some time with their parents. Don't bother me. I'm watching TV. Don't bother me. I'm on the internet. Don't bother me. I'm doing this. But you know, they they wanted to have children. Well, if you're going to have them, then spend the time with them that's necessary in order to raise them properly. Right. And uh, if d- you're not going to do that, then don't have children. My dad reminds us of uh, the program that David Pickup was on uh, discussing homosexuality, and he discussed how important it was for. Uh, for young men or young boys to have uh, a, a strong male figure in the house uh, for, in the formative years uh, up to age three even, uh, that it's very important. So um, it's obvious that uh, parent, fathers aren't doing the job they need to be doing. And when we don't do our job as fathers, then we don't need to be surprised that our society's falling apart because we haven't taught it to stay together. And, uh, you know, part of this, uh, this idea of not taking responsibility, Jack uh, saw a statistic that maybe even as many as three Percent of fathers are stay-at-home dads. In other words, uh, they don't uh, they don't earn a living for their family. Uh, they stay at home while someone else takes care of that. Right, uh, and what's what's also an effect I, I believe is and we talked a little bit about is the media. You know, the media has uh, portrayed fathers as idiots um, due to the fact that it has such an impact on society. This portrayal has uh, of fathers has greatly influenced how they look at men, uh, and it undermines their importance. Completely. Absolutely. And uh, that's one comment that was sent in the chat room as well. On TV and in so much of the modern media, the traditional family with a man as the head is presented as a way out of date and out of touch relationship. So the idea, if you see a family with the man as the head, that's going to be ridiculed. And if you see that man in the family, Jack, he nine times out of ten, if not more, is presented as the one who has no clue. And it has to be the children or the wife who... uh, sort of hold his hand and tell him what he needs to do. And they portray the man as being just a blundering idiot, uh, the mother being only marginally better, and the children are the geniuses that's going around and keeping the family together and making all the major decisions. 
And so they've turned they, it upside they've got down. everything out of the order that yeah. God would have it to be. Yeah. But, but you know, fathers have a lot of that that this notion of fathers being bumbling idiots just didn't come out of the air. There there are fathers who are not doing their job. Right. Okay. And so Hollywood is just taking that portrayal that's some there for some fathers and they're just hyping it and make it even more obvious. But but let's look at it for the fact of the matter is uh, we have gone through life unaware of our surroundings. We've not been circumspect of what's happening around us, and as a result, um, Hollywood's picking up on it and running with it. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Look forward to hearing from you in the chat room tonight. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about men. We'll, uh, we can talk about that as the program goes along, but uh, women are not exempt from this attack either. Monty, I think we see uh, throughout our culture that uh, the women's role is being attacked as well. You know, if, if everybody would function in the role God give them, we could all be happy and live together in peace and harmony, but we're not doing that. So because the father, I believe, has neglected his role, then the woman has felt like, well, if he's not going to do his job, somebody's got to do it. So she's tried to take on a role that she shouldn't have had to try to take, but and she shouldn't have tried, made any effort really to take it. She should have insisted her husband be the, the man that God requires him to be. Right. But, but they t- try to fill that role, so that's got everything out of, out of kilter, and it's just really a big mess. All right. Let us know your thoughts, 877 uh, The idea that a woman should stay at home and uh, take care of children today is one that is ridiculed, Jack. And You're being a bigot down. again. Well, I, well, I mean, I'm just stating facts. It's an attack uh, that people are attack the idea. Uh, Jack, I'm sure your wife has uh, been looked down upon for being someone who a stay-at-home mom, uh, as many women are today in our society, unfortunately. Yes, unfortunately, they do. They'll, they'll usually ask the question, "Do you work?" Right. You know, and when she says, "Well, yes, I do. I, I work inside the home," but it's it's seen as as a, uh, it's relegated to some low servi- servitude position that it's not important. You're not, whatsoever. you're not, you're not fulfilled if, uh, if no. that is yeah, your, you're, your primary. You're uh, missing yeah. out, right? Yeah. You're not a real contributor to society. Fifty-five percent of uh, mothers in 2010 with a recent birth were in the labor force. Uh, that, in other words, fifty-five uh, percent of mothers who had just recently given birth to children are now back in the labor force. Uh, allowing someone else to raise their children while they work. Uh, that results in um, a, a number of daycare centers in the United States being 805,137 as of 2009. Uh, so there are uh, almost well, almost a million daycare centers in the United States today because of the fact that mothers feel the need to be working outside the home. We cannot condemn mothers working outside the home. Uh, we don't think it's necessarily sinful, but we do uh, note that uh, her job given by God is to be uh, a keeper at home. You know, and when you think about it, not knocking those persons that are running these day care centers and working there and trying to provide for these children and do the best they can, but they don't truly have a vested interest in the child and, and in their upbringing. And when we think about it, we don't, for the people that put their children in these places, they don't really know what the person that's working there's background is, what their religion background is what they're any type of background for all we know we're we've turned them loose with a bunch of just vagrant heathens to, and we want them to spend eight or ten hours with our child a day while we're off doing something else and it would be far and away better off if the mother wouldn't if the family would learn to live on less money and and take care of their ch- children and raise them as god would have them to be again we want we don't want to make a blanket <laughs> condemnation of any woman who has any kind of employment outside the home but what we are saying is that her role given by God is to be a keeper at home. And when, uh, Jack, we sacrifice uh, the upbringing of our children for some of the benefits that can come from a woman working outside the home and often the the income of the family being doubled or maybe even more than doubled uh, based upon a woman's uh, contribution to that, a lot of people are sacrificing some of the, the important roles that the woman can fulfill for that extra paycheck. Yes, they are sacrificing. They're sacrificing their families and a lot. I've, I've talked to some older women who've regretted doing that, who've talked to me later, uh, you know, in their lives and regretted that they took all that time away and were, were for the extra money that really didn't really net them that much anyway and, and to the demise of their children in a lot of cases. Well, and I think every mother who has a child who does not grow up to be faithful to the Lord, if they are, are working, Jack would have to look back and wonder, if it isn't partly due to the fact that she wasn't in their life like she should have been. 
you know, and you, you see that quite often, and the parents say, well, where did I go wrong? Well, part of the problem where you went wrong is you weren't there for them when they needed you. Yep. You wasn't there to train them to act right because you was off working. I've read studies before that talks about the, the majority of women that w- they're out in the workforce. If it takes very little money, really, they're not their net gain from being in the workforce is very small because they have to have better clothes than what they would, or more expensive clothes or better quality of clothes, you might say, because they've got this job. They've got to have more transportation, a better quality of transportation because they've got to be reliable on this job. They've got the daycare expenses. And when you start taking all these things out for this woman's income, she really hasn't made any money when you get right down to it because of all these extra expenses that she had. And so they wouldn't really be sacrificing that much for her to not have a job and stay home and to raise her children. All right. My dad in the chat room has commented he sees a strong correlation between uh, families who have troubles uh, with their uh, with their kids and those who have working mothers. Mm-hmm. I think that's that that's logical that you would see that uh, correlation. And um, he also said a woman who takes on a job outside the home is taking on a second job. She can't neglect her first job at home with her kids and her husband. And, Jack, that is absolutely true. She has a God-given job. If she's going to take on another one, it has to be in second place to that God-given job. And so she is taking on a second job. And she shouldn't expect to be able to relegate the responsibilities that God has given her just because she may look for employment outside the home. Right. And I I think what my experience has been is that the job is seen as priority. I can't miss this meeting. You're going to have to watch the kids or someone else can have to take care of the kids. It's the job is seen, number one, and then when they come home, that home job is then the, the second place. Yep. And, and usually then both people, if they're working, are both tired, they're both exhausted, and there's a confusion on who's to do what and what the role is, yep. and the children see that. But, and I'm going to get up on a soapbox here, and it is a soapbox, and it is, I'll admit it's some of my opinion. But if we're asked if a woman's going to have to take on a second job if she's going to be working outside the home, the man, in effect, is only going to have one job. If, if, if the finances in the home are so bad that the woman needs to work outside the home, I think a man ought to be a man and stand up, and he ought to go out and work the second job. He ought to work the second shift and let her stay at home and do her job. Who, who's going to have two jobs? You're gonna, you want your wife to have two jobs while you take on one? Why don't you be a man and get two? Now, that's a soapbox, and that's a judgment. But uh, I, but think I that, can't disagree with you. Well, I, think I we can't need, either. I think we need to think about that. Uh, let's take a break. We need to get back talk about the kids and, the, and their roles being attacked. And then we need to look at the Scriptures. We've talked a lot about what we're seeing, but let's look at the Scriptures and what uh, it says about uh, the roles that we should be having in our family. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A recent survey of several churches turned up some interesting statistics about the people who are being converted to Christ. Some things didn't seem to matter much. For instance, there were about equal numbers of men and women who became Christians. And people from different races were represented in percentages that aren't far different from the general population. The age of new converts showed an interesting trend. The highest percentages were among men and women from 20 to 40 years old. And among these, the highest numbers were for married people. This should tell us that we ought to be especially targeting young married people with the gospel message. The second largest age group for converts was those under 20 years old. Most of these were children of existing members. This is an extremely important group, and we should never fail to pay special attention to the conversion of our own children. Without a doubt, the most strikingly obvious statistic is that new converts are by far most often among people who are friends or relatives of those who are already Christians. In fact, a look at the numbers shows that fully 80% of conversions are among those we already know. Only 4% were reached by advertising efforts and just 1% contacted by door-to-door work. What does this tell us? It's clear that we need to be working hard to teach and convert our own family members, our friends and co-workers, our neighbors and other acquaintances. Four out of five conversions are likely to come from these folks who are already known to us. And yet we continue to target people we don't know with ads and door knocking. We can change that. Let's get more efficient. Let's work energetically to teach and convert as many as we can, especially those we already know. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. 
We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or better yet, if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, come and worship with us. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. You're welcome at any of our assemblies. We encourage you to come. Find out more about the College of Church of Christ. We'll try and remind you at the end of the program, but we're also uh, getting ready for a gospel meeting that will begin this Sunday on October, uh, let's see, that would be October 21st, I believe. 20th, October 20th, uh, Sunday uh, at uh, 9.30 and 2.30 in the afternoon, and then we'll meet each night next week, October 21st through 25th at 7 p.m. each evening. Uh, so we encourage you to come and uh, be a part of that meeting if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area. We're talking about the roles of the uh, uh, the attack of the, on the family tonight. We've talked about the fact that men's roles and women's roles are under attack. Children's roles are under attack as well, Monty. Uh, we, you noted that earlier, I think, about the children who are shown being the ones who need to be the ones, the responsible ones in the family. You know, it's sad that the child quite often winds up being the responsible one because the parents are so irresponsible. If they, the parents, we all need to follow our roles. We need to study our Bibles and understand what our roles is and follow it if we're going to have a happy, healthy home. Right, that's right. Uh, and Jack, uh, children are not uh, disciplined in our families today. They're 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 given the idea that they need to be free to do whatever they they please. Right. Uh, it seems like fathers want to act more like their buddies with the kids and try to get along with them and not try to get them too excited or not try to challenge them. Right. Uh, to make them follow rules. When we fail to do that, when we fail to be a th- the authority figure in the home and fail to teach them rules and to follow those rules, we undermine God's. They try to te- when we try to teach them about God, they're not going to respect God if they can't respect their fathers. You know, I think that is an interesting point. I think uh, that, that I think we learn about how we deal with God by learning how we, how, uh, from our earthly father. Yes. God has given us that imagery, I think, Monty, for a reason, because... Uh, the relationship should be similar, I think. As Jack said, if we can't learn to respect our father, then how are we going to learn to respect the laws of the land? And that's two entities that we can see, our parents and, and the laws of the land. Well, if we can't learn to respect them too, how can we possibly expect our children to respect God who they can't physically see? So it, it's just a domino effect. And when we don't start out in the home teaching the children to learn to respect the authority that God has placed in the home, then they don't have a chance in life at getting any better, hardly. All right. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Send, us, send in your uh, your comments tonight. Uh, we got a soapbox comment in the chat room from my dad. Uh, he says, seriously limit the kids' time on electronics. Make them interact with the family. What do you think about that, Jack? Well, I, I, I agree. Uh, uh, it is something that it's a judgment call, but I would definitely agree to Greg, and that's one of the points I had a little bit later in, in the, the way the child is being challenged, is that, um, uh, there has to be a, a, a limit to just about everything. We have to we have to have self control in all areas, but in media as well, because that's what's our, our kids are so focused on phones, cell phones, uh, uh, internet, and all aspects of media. That's that's how they communicate now. It's not through a phone telephone anymore like we did mainly. Yeah. It's through the media, and so they're affected by it. So we have to put a limit on it. I agree with Greg 100 percent. Money. Well, I do, too, and Jack, I think, mentioned a minute ago about so many parents want to be their children's friend. You can't be your child's friend at least probably till he's 30. Mm-hmm. You've got to be the parent. You've got to be the authority figure. You've got to be a stern disciplinarian and teach them how to act. And then after they get grown and move out of the house, then maybe you can start being their friend. But while they're children, they don't need you to be their friend. Right. Ultimately, don't don't really want you to be their friend. What a child needs is, and wants mm-hmm. is a person they can respect and, and and learn from, and you can't do that by being their friend. That's right. That's right. Uh, on the idea of electronics, some money back in your day and uh, uh, or in earlier times, you know, media consisted of the radio and uh, maybe a, a television. Uh, not every family had televisions. I'm sure even uh, in your childhood days, uh, maybe they, you know, they. Well, by the time I come along, it was getting to the point that most households, most households had a, tele- yeah. okay. uh, a television in them. Uh, but I remember the majority of them being black and white televisions. Right, right, right. Okay. And right. you had maybe three or four channels at the most right. that you could watch. And nowadays uh, you can get satellite television or cable or whatever, and you might have 200 or 300 or 500 channels. I don't know. It's almost limitless, it seems. And, and you might have uh, had, uh, as I did, a transistor radio as you were growing yeah. up. And those, those were pretty neat little things. And uh, 
But uh, if you if you had walked around with that transistor radio every minute of the, of the day when you were awake, uh, listening to that, your your mom or dad would say, turn that thing off. Yeah. You've been listening to that too much. You you may have listened to it a, a couple, you know, maybe a, a short duration of time. Uh, it's no different today. Just because the media is better and, and it's higher quality doesn't mean that you should that we should allow our children to be absorbed by it uh, any more than uh, you would have in the old days with your transistor radio. Well, we can be distracted from doing what we should be doing by lots of things, but it seems the media that's available to us today is a very easy way for us to be distracted from fulfilling our responsibilities. Um, uh, The the soapbox continues in the the chat room, but I have to agree with it. Uh, My dad says young people used to sit and listen to older folks talk and discuss and converse. Now they ignore the adults and have their nose in the smartphones, et cetera. Jack, I think that's true. I, I agree, but it can also be said of the parents. True. You know, I, my neighbor told me uh, a few years back uh, when I was in Knoxville that she pointed, she stood on her porch and pointed to the houses, my house up on the hill and two of the houses down the road and said, Jack, we used to make the circuit. We'd go up to the top to where you currently live and we would talk there and we'd come down the hill and we'd go across the street and talk to, to brother or sister so-and-so and then we'd go down there and we'd just make a big circuit. You know, yep. we, weren't, we weren't sitting there uh, in front of a television right. or the telephone. Right. People are too busy to visit anymore, though. We've got all this important stuff to do, we think, at least. And so we don't have time to learn to communicate with each other. And when you think about it, so many times people's excuse for not trying to share the gospel with someone is, well, I don't know what to say. Well, they've never learned to talk and interact with people because of all this media we're so absorbed with. And so because we let them from the time they were children to this adult be absorbed in that, no, they really don't know no, no, how to talk right. to anybody. They, they're, they're right about that. Well, they don't I, know. I remember when I was a child, it was always a great uh, excitement for us to have company over after church for, to sit around and listen to what the old folks were saying or the parents were mm-hmm. saying. I uh, especially liked it when the preachers came over after church because there were lots of good stories to be told. And as, as children, we uh, enjoyed hearing those stories. But that was an influence on us. Uh, the, here are older Christians and uh and we're learning from them. We're respecting them and, and looking up to them. Now, well, we're respecting that game we're playing on our iPad. Right. I, I, they, that's true. But, you know, you made me think of something. In a lot of cases, it was the father, though, who made the children come sit in the room with them. The yeah. children could have gone to their rooms or outside. But a lot of times the, the fathers would say, no, you know, you're going to come in and sit here while we talk to this older gentleman or older yeah. woman, you're yeah. going to pay attention to what they have to that's say. That's right. That's right. And so uh, that's a good reminder. Appreciate uh, uh, that from the chat room. Guest 14 says, I would say that as a younger person, it's really just a lack of self-control. It's not that electronics are bad. Uh, it's that parents like how it occupies the child. That's exactly right. Now, that is an absolute truth. Uh, these electronics are much, uh, they're very uh, sedative in nature. Uh, you put uh, you put a child in front of uh, uh, the electronics today and the media today, they become entranced, and uh, you don't have a lot of grief out of them. You know, it's sad to say I heard a member of the church one time talking about some task he was going to have to do, and uh, the, he had a, a son, and the mother wanted the son to go with the dad, and the dad said, well, that's fine, he can come, but he's going to have to play his Game Boy or whatever because I ain't got time to fool with him right now. And it's really sad that he should have had his son helping him do the task so he could learn about doing things and learn to be responsible. But instead, we he can come with work. me, but you need to be over there out of my way because I've got work to do and you need to occupy yourself with this electronic toy. Danny in the chat room says, I cringe when I find myself setting my daughter in front of cartoons in order to spend some time getting something done or quality time with my wife. It's tempting to have uh, that babysitter. And it is, uh, Danny, I appreciate uh, that comment tonight. Uh, and so... Um, Let's uh, let's quickly go on and look at uh, some things before the break about uh, the men's role in the family because that is uh, that is something that is under attack and sadly, Monty, many people don't understand what God expects for men in the family today. But it's very simple uh, from this look at the scriptures uh, that uh, the man is to be the head of the family. Uh, Genesis chapter three verse sixteen, as we mentioned last night in the Bible study, Monty, as you did, uh, that as a result of uh, the the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, that a man was placed as head of the family. Yes, that's right. Uh, and the New Testament t- teaches that the reason for that was because the woman was deceived and the man wasn't. And that doesn't mean man's intellectually superior to the woman necessarily. Yeah. It just means that God put him in charge and he had a reason for doing that. 
And we may not always understand God's reasons for things, but we need to accept that they're for our best. The Bible teaches us that. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, that is very unpolitically correct, Jack. If you said that in the right uh, uh, crowds today, you would uh, be uh, greeted with uh, perhaps lots of ridicule. But that's what the Scriptures say, uh, that man is to be the head of the family. That's exactly right, and that's God said that. It's not we didn't make that decision. God made that decision, and we're to follow His commands. And uh, when we do that, when we understand our roles and follow them as God has designed, then you'll find out that things work so much better uh, in the home. All right, First uh, uh, Timothy three verse four: One that ruleth his own house well. This is a qualification for an elder. An elder is, um, and and that uh, indicates that men in general should be ruling their house. And so men is to be the head of his family, uh, closely related to that, and, and you can't have one without the other and be effective at it, is that the man must love his wife, Monty. Yeah, the Bible clearly teaches us all throughout the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians 7, it's talking about the husband and wife relationship, and it talks about in verse 3, let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. And so it's teaching us that we have responsibilities toward each other, and we're supposed to render that due affection. Other place in the New Testament teaches that the husband is to show his wife respect, and that the wife is to respect the husband also. So if we're rendering each other the proper affection and we're showing each other proper respect and treating each other properly, the wife being not the head but in a, the the next position down there, it's not a position of disrespect. It's not a, a disgraceful thing for someone to be in charge over you because if when you think about it, We've, most of us have jobs as men, and whoever it is that owns the company is over us. They're in charge over us. That doesn't make us less valuable. It doesn't or less demean human. us or less human. It doesn't demean us anyway. It just says that in every aspect of our life, there's an order that has to be followed, and God has placed this order over the family. Now, my dad in the chat room says, I really think the modern feminist movement of the last several decades has had more effect on all of our thinking than we would like to admit. I think that is accurate. Uh, and sadly, Monty, the, the modern feminist movement has said if the roles aren't equal uh, or are not the same, then there, then there is some type of inequality and some type of inferiority. Uh, and that simply is not the case. As you mentioned, Monty, uh, that uh, your boss is not more human or more valuable than you because he has a different role than you play. Uh, Jack, in the military, uh, the same is true of uh, of uh, those who would be leaders in the military versus those who would be what would be called the grunt. There, there is no difference in value. No, there isn't, and you have to have them. The, the the soldiers are looking for a leader. They need that leader, and if you know what, if that leader's there, they'll step up to the plate if they have to. And I think that's what Monty had commented a little earlier. If if the fathers are not doing that like they're supposed to be doing, then oftentimes. The wife feels that she has to come up to take care of, and then then and then then there's then it just further complicates the whole matter because fathers are being negligent. All right. All right. But when you think about this value of being equal, the scriptures tells us that Jesus didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. So the Bible teaches that Jesus was God's equal. He right. was part of the Godhead, but Jesus was put himself in a subordinate position to be obedient to the Father right. by the same token. So the fact that the Father was the head and Jesus followed his instruction, didn't make him of less value or unequal. It just showed that he had and understood his proper place in the arrangement of things. All right, so men are to be leaders of the, of the family and they're to love their wives. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 22 through verse 33, in that context we read, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So there's the kind of love that we're looking for, that sacrificial love. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. They are to nourish and cherish their wives. Uh, Jack, with that kind of love, we can then get to be the kind of leaders that God wants us to be uh, considering the needs of our, of our wife. Exactly. We, we, we have to consider her needs, and that should be one of the that's our foremost thing that we should be doing is considering the needs of our wife. Uh, um, and if we would learn to do that and learn to see that the things that are important to her should be important to us, we get back a hundredfold. Oh, that's right. And uh, if we could get rid of the selfishness that plagues us in our families and uh, and love our wives as Christ loved the church, uh, then, Monty, things start to, to, to work like they're supposed to. You know, when we think about how Christ loved the church, we can follow his example because in the prayer on the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, not my will but yours. So he's putting somebody else's desires ahead of his own desires. 
And when we look at Jesus' example, he gave up what would have been better in some respects for him in order to meet the needs of others. And so Jesus was willing to sacrifice what he wanted in order to meet others' needs. And if we're going to grow up and be Christ-like, as the Bible teaches us we're supposed to do, then we're going to learn to do that same way. We're going to look at the needs of our family and maybe give up what we would possibly like to be doing. I might, maybe I want to go hunting or fishing this weekend, but I don't, I can't do that because I've got needs that my family needs. I'm going to have to sacrifice what I want in order to, to meet what their needs are. Jesus did that for us. And if we're going to love our wives as Jesus loved the church, as the scripture you just read talked about, then we're going to do that same thing. We're going to recognize, learn about them to recognize what their needs are because wives are different from us. You know, in case people hadn't noticed, women are different from <laughs> well, they men. are. And they're different yeah. from us. So I'm, and I wasn't born with this knowledge of what women want and need in order to, to be happy on this earth. So I have to study this out and do what is necessary to learn what their needs are. Sometimes just asking them is really helpful. <laughs> yeah, that works. And then when I find out what those needs are, then I need to apply myself to meeting them, and that might mean i got to give up something I want in order to meet my wife's needs and to meet the needs of my family. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about the women's role as it is outlined in the Scriptures and uh, the children's role as well. Uh, we'll look forward to your comments. We'll go fast on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Russell Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any different plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, during the break, we're talking about uh, the Facebook page for the virtual Bible study. If you haven't checked it out, you might check it out. Uh, Jack, how do you get there for those who are not yeah. Facebook school? Yeah, if you if you just uh, uh, go in and search on Facebook, we're, we're, the, uh, we're at the top of the screen and just put in uh, virtual Bible study. It should pick it up, if I'm not mistaken. We'll check it real quick, but I'm pretty sure that will pick it right up. And when you can go there, you get to see... Each question, the set of questions for each week that we're going to have, um, and uh, and and how to, to communicate with us. Okay. The virtual Bible study. All right. Well, check it out on Facebook if you are there. Uh, well, we talked about the, the the man's role as we talk about the attacks on the family today and how the man's role is uh, is not respected. One thing we should uh, mention before we leave is that uh, men are given the task of providing for their family. For Genesis chapter three verses seventeen eight through nineteen. First Peter chapter five verse eight. Luke 11, uh, verses 11 through 13. Other passages that we could cite, uh, uh, Monty, that show us that men should be uh, providing for their family. Uh, in other times, maybe you wouldn't have to spend as much time talking about that. We don't have time to talk about it, but it seems in our day today, many don't understand that men are to be providing for their families. And that provision, I don't think, is only talking only about financial needs because there's a lots of other needs that the family has, and the man is responsible to see that those things are provided for their family. All right. And, uh, you know, um, uh, Jack, I guess it would be worth mentioning here that even if the government decides that uh, they'll provide for your family's needs without you doing any work, I think it is still imperative on you to be the one who's providing for your family, even though it may be possible for you to live off the government. Uh, if you're able to work, you need to be doing that. Exactly. Um, I know that there are many opportunities for people to live off the government. Um, uh, and... Uh, what kind of example are you sharing and showing your children if we're talking about teaching them to work and have good work ethics? Uh, we should be out there uh, doing all we can to be a, a good example in working and showing our children that 
we want to work and we know we need to work is a very important lesson that we need to take advantage of. All right. So let us know your thoughts uh, quickly as we uh, transition now uh, to the women's role in the family as uh, described in scriptures. I think uh, Titus chapter 2 uh, is a pro- pretty comprehensive passage on uh, the woman's role in the family. In uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, uh, the older women are to teach the younger women uh, to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God uh, not be blasphemed. There's uh, a lot of instruction there, money, on how women are, uh, their role in the family. You know, and it's very important that we understand that. And it's talking about the older women teaching the younger. We was talking about a few minutes ago about how in our society today that the father's portrayed as a real idiot and the wife not much better and the children are the ones with the real brains in the family. Well, this passage is teaching us that the older women are the ones that's supposed to be teaching these younger women, not the younger women teaching somebody else, but it's the older women supposed to be doing it. So even in the teaching role, God has provided an order for this to be done properly. Okay. All right. Uh, th- that's right. The older women are to be teaching, and therefore it is something that can be learned. And one of the things that can be learned is that they love their own husbands. Jack, that's an interesting uh, comment, and that's not one that you'll see portrayed in modern media today or in society today. That love of your husband is something that can be learned. It is uh, commonly thought, I think, that uh, love is just sort of something that happens to you. You fall into love, and right. you might fall out if you're right. not careful. And uh, and again, media is promoting this idea of this uh, uh, man coming in on a horse, you know, and this night, and, and, and it just it just clouds what reality is. And uh, we have to understand that everything is not perfect, and that. Um, it will be at times when we're going to not get along and not do the right things, but by our wives and, and wives to our husbands, we have to learn to love each other. I mean, yep. that, that's not, it's not optional. Yeah. That is not an option. We have to, and if God tells us that we have to do it, then we can do it. We can do it, and we can because, learn how to do it. And exactly. that's a, those are important factors. Exactly. And I like what you said about the media, because the media, think about how much exaggeration there is in everything yes. that the media portrays. Why should we think that the portrayal of love and relationships would be any different? Uh, even in music and movies, uh, it is it is no different. There's a lot of there are a lot of songwriters in the Nashville area where we are, and uh, and uh, I've been to a lot of these songwriter nights where these people are trying to be uh, songwriters at maybe at a cafe or so forth. Uh, and it's it's interesting that a majority of those people who are writing these love songs are desperately single. They yeah. don't. They don't understand. They're they real authorities yeah, on the subject. Right. But, but right. they they've got some vision in their mind of how romance right. should be, and they're writing about it, and it gets exaggerated as they do. And uh, and I think if we're not careful, that that influences us on what we think our relationships should be. Yeah, it, it's that way in TV. It's in yeah. books, publications. It's everywhere. Right. It's everywhere. All right. But this idea of being a command to love here would tell us that this is not some gooey, uh, sweet feeling thing. It's an attitude that we're supposed to possess. It, it's it's higher and better than just this puppy love or whatever that's right. or this infatuation that we might have for each other. But it's our attitude, and we we learn about that attitude from as we talked about a minute ago from from God and from Jesus and what they were willing to do in order to meet our needs. So when we love our, it talks about loving their husbands and to love their children. It's a command. It's something that could be taught, and it's a way of life. That is right, and it is better than the puppy love uh, money, and it will have a better effect on a relationship if we can learn to love each other as we should. They are to love their children, Monty, and I think uh, that uh, is something that uh, is uh, perhaps difficult at times. Well, children tend to be rebellious, and they learn that from us because we tend to be rebellious, but we can love our children and teach them to be obedient, and even as sometimes it's difficult as husbands and wives for people around us to love us, we need to learn to act better and lead by example. And when we do that, then we can teach our children to do the same thing. Titus chapter 2 goes on, uh, Jack, and says that women are to be keepers at home. Uh, doesn't mean that she can't leave the home. Doesn't mean that she can't have employment outside the home. Uh, Proverbs chapter 31 shows a woman who was engaged in some industry outside, away from the, the, the confines of her home. But her uh, responsibility is to be a keeper at home. I agree. Um and uh, it's it's important to understand that in in a lot of these cases uh, there are and I, I keep pushing this back on the fathers. We have a lot of what I'd say uh, selfish fathers. Some fathers are there that they force the mothers to work outside the home because he may not value uh, what she does inside the home, um, right. and that's 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 sad. 
or, or he doesn't take the responsibility of putting himself in a position where he can provide for the family. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Through neglect or, or laziness, slothfulness. You know, that's, that's a big problem. We don't just grow up automatically knowing how to be fathers. It may, if we didn't have a good father to teach us, but we understand that we would have liked to have, then we have to go to some effort to learn how to do that job properly. And when we do that, then we can teach our children likewise. And that, that, it, it still keeps boiling back down to that. We got to learn to do what we got to do and to do it properly so that we can impart that knowledge to others. All right. And uh, finally, uh, we should look at uh, Proverbs chapter two, verse five. There it says that she's to be obedient to her husband. That is not politically correct, money. No, it's not, but it's what God said. And and it's not a, that that perhaps is one of the more difficult uh, instructions uh, that she is to be obedient. But uh, when you get down to it, we keep going back to the father. If the husband's being the type of person he's supposed to be, he's going to see to it that he's cultivating an atmosphere that makes it easy for his wife to keep this command. Right, because of the love that he has for her. That's right. And he will get he will give instructions that are in her best interest. Right. All right. Uh, quickly, we have just a few minutes. Uh, the role of uh, children in the home. First off, I think money would have to know that they're to be obedient. That's right. And that that's not an option for them. And they're not going to grow up being instantly obedient just on automatic. They've got to be taught that. And as we read through the book of Proverbs, there's several places in there that teach us that one of those methods for teaching that obedience is through what we like to use the term. Well, the Bible uses the term beating them with a rod. And I think uh, some people in the world have taken that far and away and, and become abusive with it. But the idea there is that when we punish our children and what we would refer to maybe today as spanking or whipping, as my daddy would have put it. Whooping. Yeah. He's, I never had a spanking. I had several whippings. So. <laughs> but anyway, we're doing something that's got their undivided attention to the point that we've made them understand that the price for disobedience is higher than what they're willing to pay. That's right. Uh, that's 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 correct. Uh, children are to be obedient and they're to honor their father and mother, uh, Jack, which I think takes that one step farther. That's correct. They they are to honor their father and mother, and and I they would be more apt to, I believe, if fathers acted like the fathers they should and mothers like the mothers they should, and followed God's will. And if they do, then you're I would venture to say that you're going to see children be a lot easier for them to do that because their parents are acting like their parents. All right, Ephesians six verse two: Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Colossians chapter three verse twenty: Children obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Children are to be obedient and to honor their father and mother. They're to be taught the scriptures, and they need to be studying the scriptures, be to be taught the scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives uh, extensive instructions to those in the Old Testament about uh, teaching the scriptures to their children. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 tells us Timothy had uh, experienced this type of teaching. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto, uh, according to thy word. And so uh, children sh- should understand uh, the scriptures as well. We could go on and on about the roles of um, father and mother, husband and wife, children in the family. It's important, Monty, as we look at the attacks of the family, that we understand uh, that uh, we, we're not going to be able to base the, uh, our family uh, structure on our society. We're not Our going to, society's structure is failing miserably. It, it, is, it is askew. It is not in accordance with God's word. Therefore, we need to go uh, to God's Word and base all of our uh, structure and arrangement on what God has said in His, in his Word. That's right. And the Scriptures teach us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. So we're going to have to study God's Word. This isn't going to just happen on us that we instantly know it. We're going to have to study it, research it, find out every subject in our life, and especially our family uh, structure and how our family ought to be organized and run. We're going to study it. We'll apply that to our lives, and then we can have happy families and, in turn, in doing that, teach our children that they can also have happy families, and we can hand down this tradition of happy, godly families. All right. Jack, any comments? Uh, yeah, I just can say on that question of how we can protect our families from the influence of the world, uh, and of these four things encompass a lot, but love God with all your heart. Limit the media coming into your home, as sure. your dad said. Show your children an example of thankful servitude. You're a good servant, and you're glad to be a servant to yep. help others. And then, fourthly, be regular in your worship attendance. Right, absolutely. Uh, uh, that is a, a great way to, to, to conclude the program. Tim says, I think by the same line you take uh, line you take to step away from the iron rod to go to spanking can support going to newer parenting techniques that are uh, supported by evidence based on 
based practices that are better suited for dealing with behavior problems without spanking. Tim, I'd uh, challenge you on that uh, to, to yeah. prove that by the scriptures, because the scriptures say that if you spare the rod, you spoil the children, and yeah. if you don't, uh, if you don't apply the rod, you don't love the children as you should. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm going to stick with that. And God, our designer, wrote those words. It, exactly. This wasn't something we dreamed up on our own. God wrote it. It has to be the correct way. And it's not an abusive thing. Uh, in fact, we think it's a yeah. loving thing and uh, not causing physical harm, uh, but uh, but training and uh, providing instruction. So, uh, Tim, thank you for that comment. We would disagree with you on that. All right. Well, Monty, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, for Jacob. Thank you, Jack, for your time thank and getting us on the air. And thank you for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.